0: A sleepover cinema where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who have been forsaken by a turf. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the
1: sister filmmaking duo also known as Two Pink Productions and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them.
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad and the wizard. We're going to explore the good. Stay on script. I'm sorry I got too crazy. The tequila is speaking already. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: Today, we are talking about 2001's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry.
2: I'm a what? Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In a few moments,
0: you will pass through these doors and join your classmates.
2: The
1: third floor corridor is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish
0: to suffer a most painful death. Understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good.
1: I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed, or worse, expelled. She
2: needs to sort out her priorities. I think it is
0: clear that we can expect
2: great things from you.
0: Okay, and today is a really special episode because not only are we coming to you live from a um, Hilton head on the edge of environmental disaster, but we're here with our cousins, Aaron and Julia. This is Hannah from the future just clocking in to say... Before we recorded this episode, we did not know that the theme song was going to go that hard. So shout out to Josh for whipping up that incredible, rapturous new version of the theme song for us. I'm Julia. I'm Erin. And you both may, you both, and you all, we're drinking. We're drinking <laughs> on vacation. Um, all we're of done. you. I've been drinking. Um, Everyone. I've been drinking. I haven't <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> um, so two things. First of all, we only have two mics. So Aaron and Audrey are sharing a mic and me and Julia are sharing a mic. Yes, we are. Yeah. So it's going to force us to be really good at not talking over each other. Um, but anyway, my point is that you may remember um, from many seasons back that we did an episode with Erin and Julia on Princess and the Pauper, the Barbie version. And now they are back for Harry Potter.
1: There's a lot of history that we have related to Harry Potter and lack thereof. Yes. But we will get into that. Yes. After the facts.
0: Okay, so I feel like both of your stations in life have changed a lot since last time we recorded.
2: Okay. I don't quite remember what my life station was at that time, except for that I was mid-crisis. You weren't in Atlanta yet. I hadn't lived in Atlanta yet. I don't live in Atlanta now. (laughs) Short-lived. Um... And now I live in Chicago. I'm still a hairstylist, currently drinking a marg in Woo-hoo! Hilton Head, like we stated. Yeah. It's very that. <laughs> <laughs> but thriving. Um, but thriving. Yeah, I'm thriving, to say the least. Julia <laughs> described to me recently that they are in their joyful era. Oh, no, I'm I'm in my experiencing joy era. <laughs> so that's what you need to know about me. Oh, and I have a cat now. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Moo. I would say I've also shifted into a major experiencing joy era. I had not yet moved to Boston. I do not currently live in Boston. I also now live in Chicago, also in an experiencing joy era. What do you do? Oh, I'm in school to be a therapist. And I'm currently drinking a Mart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's the vibe. This is the beginning of our um, relatively spooky chunk of movies as October has begun. This is just setting us off on a festive note. And we really haven't done any movies like this yet. So this we haven't is... done any huge series. But before we get into the facts surrounding Harry Potter <laughs> and the Sorcerer's Stone, it's time for Question for the Culture. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. And we've been crowdsourcing a question for the culture from the four of us.
2: So this sparked because I'm a Twitter user, of course. (laughs) And all I've been seeing lately, or not all I've been seeing, but what I've been seeing lately are the sock jokes. Sock joke being like, Oh, when your friend sock posts that they need help getting out of their abusive housing situation. My question for the culture is, (laughs) how do we feel about that? Especially coming from people who aren't trans or non-binary. Do we think that's a little out of pocket or out of socket? (laughs) (laughs) Or do we laugh? I think within the community. Okay. Okay. My answer for the culture is, I think within the community, it's funny. Like, sure, that's hilarious. But coming from random Twitter user, Cisman123, like, mm, save it. You know what I mean? Agree. Agree. (laughs)
0: Um, And to clarify, Julia is within the community (laughs) so they can speak on it with authority. So the question is, do we think it's funny?
1: Sometimes I feel like who... Who appears as cis man one, two, three on Twitter may not think that of themselves. Yeah. And then what you, you see
0: isn't always the same. Exactly.
1: Truth. And you also just don't know, or maybe it's unclear, blah, blah, blah. So, and like nobody wants to spend their time going after people like that. Like, and the people who do it's like, please get a hobby. Like, mm-hmm. geez. It's
2: the chronically online factor that we are, we must factor in. Yeah. Like, I'm able to just scroll on by and be like, uh,
0: okay. <laughs> But I know there's fights starting in the replies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have been burnt by sock in the past, I think Wish. you <laughs> you brush with the
2: community. You've been <laughs> with the community TM. You've been <laughs> impacted by a sock. <laughs> Am I going to get canceled?
0: For this? <laughs> Most people that shouldn't say it don't. It's holding the mark. It's just, I hope the ice linking is picking so up. So funny. We're talking about the community.
2: Yes. The community. I have thoughts. Please. I think that the thing about seeing a sock joke is that even if most of the people who shouldn't be making the jokes aren't making the jokes, there's still the risk that it'll fall into the lap of like the wrong like mm-hmm. boomer who also wants to make like a I identify as an attack helicopter joke. Yeah, And I think that in the wrong hands, it's not going to go well. <laughs> like there's there's a dangerous amount of crossover there if you don't know what you're talking about. It's bad because I'm literally laughing at song. <laughs> okay, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's funny, okay? <laughs> But you're so right. It's, <laughs> it's more about the, the people whose lap it's gonna fall into like, should you be laughing at that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We even talk about sock versus sock crime. <laughs> yeah, sock on sock, 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 on, sock on sock combat. Like it's real. Like some may say I'm sock. <laughs> so like it's funny to laugh within. Like, yeah, my name is Julia, but some may view me as sock. <laughs>
0: so I don't know. What do you all at home think about sock? Think about that to yourself between now and next week.
2: Unless you're cis man123, then I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah.
1: it's kind of the the other thing with this topic is like you actually have to be in a pretty particular area of the internet and um, yeah. You have to understand a lot of things before you could get to the point of reading, right. seeing that tweet algorithmically, <laughs> understanding it, and having an opinion on it. Yeah. True. You, like, you do have to be immersed to a certain level to understand that. The community TM.
2: Yeah. Like, imagine explaining that to an alien. Like
0: like explaining that to grandma and grandpa.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. like sock. Oh, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy.
0: Okay, I feel like we could really go down that rabbit hole for 5000 yeah, cool. years, so let's keep it pumping. Okay. Are we ready to get into the facts? Yes. Yes. Please. Yeah. Okay, so Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was released in America on November 14th, 2001. It was rated PG, parentheses, for some scary moments. And it was directed by Chris Columbus, who ironically was raised in Ohio and then went to NYU, as one does. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> um, And he either produced or directed... The following, The Help, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, but Only Through the Third, which you can kind of tell, um, Rent, LOL, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and Mrs. Doubtfire. So yeah. some American classics. Good at heartwarming, bad at serious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the book, okay, well, the movie's written by two people. Steve Cloves was the screenwriter, and he primarily has been responsible for just developing all the books into screenplays um but he also wrote the screenplay for the 2012 The Amazing Spider-Man so there's that um but of course um most notably we have JK Rowling who is the author of the extremely popular series of novels I don't need to really explain to you who JK Rowling is um but she is Yes, Joanne, exactly. <laughs> um, we can call her Joanne from here out, I guess. Um, but she's infamously hyper-involved in the movies, the theme parks, all of it. Um, during the production of the movies, she would give actors and production designers spoilers so they could incorporate it into their work before the books were released.
1: She had, And she had like Did an you know that? Uh, unusual oh, wow. amount of power in terms of the films.
0: Yeah, like she told... Alan Rickman, AKA Snape, about like how his character was going to wrap up like several movies before. Of course, she's most popular for having written Harry Potter, but she also wrote Fantastic... <laughs> but she also wrote Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, including like all the spin-off movies, etc. Um, And she also writes other novels under different names. I think it's like Robert Galbraith that she writes under and her... Um, the Irony. Right. Well... I know. Yeah. I didn't um know that. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of opinions. like she wrote this one book where it's like basically like a stereotypical like cross dressing man serial killer situation. So we'll get to that. But anyway, she also wrote C B Strike, which was adapted into a series, and that's the groundwork for Joanne. Um, And then I just included a few bonus people. So um, the production designer is Stuart Craig, who has been doing almost exclusively Harry Potter or Fantastic Beasts since 2001. Um, But before then, he worked on Notting Hill, the 1998 Avengers, The English Patient, the 1993 Secret Garden. We will definitely cover at some point. But shout out to that man for like single-handedly forging a huge aesthetic that now... I mean, it's the theme parks, it's the movies, it's all this shit. Big brain. It's also a fantastic (laughs) piece. And then, of course, composer John Williams created some really iconic themes for this movie and all of them. But, of course, he did all the themes for Star Wars. Literally all of it, including all the spinoffs, Harry Potter, Lost in Space, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Saving Private Ryan, Gilligan's Island, Home Alone, and Jaws.
2: I did not know that that was all the same.
0: It is John Williams. He does like all the really iconic shit. Isn't that interesting?
2: Wow. Yeah. Also big brain. Yes,
0: definitely. Huge. Definitely. Huge. Okay, so now going into the synopses. Um, So what we have been doing is we do IMDb, Letterbox and Rotten Tomatoes and see what overlaps.
1: The IMDb synopsis. This is the tale of Harry Potter, an ordinary 11-year-old boy serving as a sort of slave... Ooh. for his aunt and uncle who learns that he is actually a wizard and has been invited to attend the Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry. Harry is snatched away from his mundane existence by Rubius Hagrid, the groundskeeper for Hogwarts, and quickly thrown into a world completely foreign to both him and the viewer. Famous for an incident that happened at his birth, Harry makes friends easily at his new school. He soon finds, however, that the wizarding world is far more dangerous for him than he would have imagined, and he quickly learns that not all wizards are ones to be trusted.
0: <laughs> work.
2: Okay, so letterbox. This this is what presumably the people have to say this or...
0: Is, this is the official synopsis next to the movie.
2: Harry Potter has lived under the stairs at his aunt and uncle's house his whole life. But on his 11th birthday, he learns he's a powerful wizard with place with a place waiting for him at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. As he learns to harness his newfound powers with the help of the school's kindly headmaster... Harry uncovers the truth about his parents' deaths and about the villain, who's to blame? Which, this is all news to me.
0: (laughs) The way you were like, I'm bad at reading it and and gave like a theatrical performance.
2: (laughs) Thank you, uh, on the fly. Great work. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes says, adaptation of the first of J.K. Rowling's popular children's novels about Harry Potter, a boy who learns on his 11th birthday that he is the orphaned son of two powerful wizards and possesses unique magical powers of his own. He is summoned from his life as an unwanted child to become a student at Hogwarts, an English boarding school for wizards. There, he meets several friends who become his closest allies and
0: help him discover the truth about his
2: parents' mysterious deaths. Kind I didn't. Of, that one was not the, the weird,
0: best. Kind of. I do enjoy that all three of them make sure to explicitly mention that he's 11.
1: Okay, we've got a few taglines for this movie. The first one is Let the Magic Begin. The second one is Journey Beyond Your Imagination. That's way too vague. I don't like that one. Way
0: too Willy Wonka.
1: And the third one is The Magic Begins November 16th. That's more about marketing (laughs) than
2: it is the story or more about timing. I like The Magic Begins November 16th because it brings me back to the anticipation. Yes. Which feels apt
0: Okay, so now getting into the cast. All of these people, to us, to our demographic, are best known for their roles in Harry Potter. However, I will provide other roles that they... Uh, have been cast in Harry Potter's play by Daniel Radcliffe um and he is really best known for this role um but he also was in Equus on I think in the West End when he was in Harry Potter which was like controversial because he was like naked on stage mm-hmm. and like sexually into a horse I'm pretty sure question mark correct um and that was like <laughs> a whole moment when we were you know during the release series of these movies he was also in Miracle Workers. He's in the upcoming Weird Al movie, which I'm really excited for. Um, The trailer is so weird. You can tell that the tone is like extremely, like the whole thing is a parody almost, which makes sense. Um, But I'm excited for that.
1: Yeah, and everybody's like take on Daniel Radcliffe nowadays is like, He minds his own business and he picks weird projects. And that's why we like him. Yeah, exactly. That's why we continue to
0: love him. Yes. And then, of course, who could forget that he was in the Broadway revival of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. If you watch the episode of Glee where they go to New York for nationals for the first time, you see Daniel Radcliffe on a billboard in Times Square for that show. Next, we have Rupert Grant as Ron Weasley. He's Ron Weasley, but he also is in Servant, Snatch, Sick Note, and Instruments of Darkness. I don't know that much about him. Audrey, do you have anything to add? Um, He owns an ice cream truck. I didn't know that. <laughs> that I literally was going to say no, and then that just,
1: like, came to me. Wow. <laughs> I remember seeing yeah. it on
2: Tumblr, like, yeah. images of him in this ice cream it was truck his with, dream. like, a text post at the bottom that's like, ah Our king or
0: something
2: like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was
0: like his dream to own a functioning ice cream truck. Good for him. Okay, (laughs) next we have Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Of course, very defined by this role. But she also was Meg in the 2019 Little Women. Um, She was Nikki in The Bling Ring. Of course, she was Sam in Perks of Being a Wallflower. We have unpacked that recently. And she was also Belle in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. We have Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid. He's in Cracker, The World Is Not Enough, The Comic Strip Presents, and most importantly to me... Tina Majorino's Alice in Wonderland. He was Tweedledee or Tweedledum in that. I don't remember which one. And then we have Dame Maggie Smith as Professor Minerva McGonagall. Best known to our generation other than this um, for being in Downton Abbey. But she's also in the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Gosford Park, A Room with a View, and the Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Next we have Alan Rickman, the man himself, as Snape. Iconic overall. Rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace. He was in Die Hard, Robin Hood, Sweeney Todd, LOL, Love Actually, Galaxy Quest, and a million other things. But he also was Rasputin in an HBO original movie about Rasputin alongside Ian McKellen. (laughs) <laughs> I've got to see that. I watched Excuse the choose me. I watched the trailer because I was like, "That sounds too good," and it looked really good. Okay, so you may be wondering to yourself, <clears throat> "That's a lot of uh, child stars there between Daniel and Rupert and Emma. How did they not fly off the rails?" I feel like everyone's. There's been a lot of buzz lately about, like, Jeanette McCurdy and, like, child stars flying off the rails and how it's, like, impossible to sustain children in Hollywood, basically. But I found some quotes from Daniel Radcliffe about it. So, this was from an article in 2011 that came out, like, right before the last movie came out, but he said this. In America, you're treated as an actor first and a kid second. Here, as in England, you're very much treated as a kid first and an actor second. In fact, you're not really treated as an actor. You're treated as a kid on a film set, which is how it should be, because that's all you are at that point. No one's an actor at 12. I do view it as sort of a personal mission that I have. If all of us in this big franchise can go off and have successful, balanced lives, careers, whatever, I'm hoping that I pave the way for the next generation of child stars in not having to answer those questions. Questions being like, how did you not totally crash and burn? Oh, um, isn't him. that cute? Yeah.
1: I love
2: it
0: He's Daniel. done such yeah. a good
1: job, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels very healthy. For the most part, like, for example, Tom Felton. Red flags. We, the way he acts towards, to this day, he posts about Harry Potter every single day. There's not a day he doesn't talk about it. Um, and they all have expressed their gratitude in different ways. But I feel like, Rupert and Emma are, they're kind of quietly resentful, <laughs> just a little, just a little bit. They're grateful publicly and outwardly. I don't know. I just sense this. I get this sense that like Emma Watson kind of wishes
0: that she could live a normal life in a lot of ways. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Not so much about her like career, but more no, about and, just her life.
1: And that like she honestly doesn't care that much about acting. Like, in the way of, like, this is the only thing I ever wanted to do. It's the only Mm -hmm. thing I want to do.
0: I don't know. Well, it's crazy because it was her first project ever. Like, I looked at her IMDb and the first thing was this. And it's like, what, your parents decided to indulge your first grade whim and now here you are? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Daniel Radcliffe has said before, too, like, that he just feels really lucky that acting actually is something that he is passionate about to this day. And that's just really luck and coincidence. Mm -hmm. It's not that he was... You know, not everybody has that. Not every child yeah. actor has that. But like the public allows so little room for the child actors to just want to be
0: something else. Yeah, it's true.
1: The budget coming in at $125 million. Um, opening weekend made $90,294,621. Mm-hmm. And the worldwide gross is 974755371 Um, yeah, I mean, obviously... Almost a billion dollars. This is high high risk, high... Well, low risk, high reward, I mean, because the books were already quite popular and they knew they were going to be making a series. It was very much like momentum. Like,
0: how do we want to start this thing so, now going into critical and audience opinions. So, the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes was 81%, and the audience score was 82 Um, And I believe the letterbox average star rating was 39 which is really high for what we have done so far. So, the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone adapts its source material faithfully while condensing the novel's overstuffed narrative, damn, into an involving and often Downright exciting big screen magical caper. Ooh, okay. And then for critic opinions, I just went to Roger Ebert because we don't have time for all that bullshit today. Um, And he said this, okay, he gave it four stars, which is the highest rating he gives. Four is maximum for him. And I think this was the only four star we've ever seen from him so far. He says, during Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I was pretty sure I was watching a classic, one that will be around for a long time and make many generations of fans. It takes the time to be good. It doesn't hammer the audience with easy thrills, but cares to tell a story and to create its character's carefully. Like The Wizard of Oz, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Star Wars, and E.T., it isn't just a movie, but a world with its own magical rules. And some excellent Quidditch players. <laughs> Hated that line. <laughs> um, but I do think that he was right. Which is why it's gonna be interesting to talk about this movie, because there isn't that much to shit on with this movie, so it's more about the bigger picture of it all. And then, our relatively new segment, Common Sense Media. Audrey, would you like to read this? Sure. So Common
1: Sense Media, I mean, this makes sense. It's a movie for kids. So Common Sense Media, they're not going to have a whole lot of shit to say about this one. They gave it five stars. They say your children seven and up can watch this film. They say the first Potter movie is a magical ride, but also intense. So talk to your kids about these
0: questions. These are like the suggested discussion questions for you and your kids. (laughs)
1: Do Do you like the books or movies better? What do you think about Harry and his friends going away to school? Would you ever want to do something like that? How do Harry and his friends demonstrate teamwork, perseverance, and courage in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Why are these important character strengths?
0: And then I wrote that when I whipped up the Common Sense Media review, I really thought that it was going to be like include like mentions of witchcraft, like like demonic, whatever. But there was nothing about that, and I was really surprised. But then, overall, on Rotten Tomatoes, there was an audience score of eighty two percent compared to the eighty one percent critic score, which makes sense. Um, And then audience opinions. TBH, nothing really to report on. It was like what you would expect. But okay, so cultural context, back in the day, we'd be like, 2001, what was going on? Um, But I was like, we don't need to do this. So I found a PDF online called 20 Facts About the Harry Potter Book Series. And here are some highlights. There are five books in the world of all time that have sold more than 100 million copies. And this is in order from 200 million to 100 million. (laughs) A Tale of Two Cities is the most sold book. The Little Princess and then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone with 120 million copies sold. And then the second book sold 77 million and the rest sold 65 million. Not a casual level of success with this one. <laughs> As of 2020, the series has made $7.2 billion overall. Um, Harry Potter and uh, the Deathly Hallows <laughs> sold 8.3 million copies in the first 24 hours of its release. J.K. Rowling is a billionaire. She's like $1.2 billion. That's like her net worth. Um, She's the second richest writer on the planet after Elizabeth Bedinter, French feminist writer. And I was like, wait, what? But then I looked into it and she inherited money. So actually, oh, J.K. Rowling okay. is the most, the most wealthy, self-made, self-made writer. When did we first watch this movie, uh, each of us, and what do we remember about it? I wrote all my notes, but I will not go first. One thing I
2: was thinking about while you were talking about just... The fact that this is one of the top 5 best selling books is how cool it is to be alive when there's a book frenzy happening because that's so rare and to to be a part of a book frenzy which feels like that never happens is really a unique experience. It also low key might have been the last. It could be the last. So true. And so I it
1: feels very not. I hope not, but maybe.
0: That would make peace. I hope me not, sad, but too. my expectations are low. <laughs>
2: What about, what if it was just the time period, like the era, like the Hunger Games came after that? Like, I don't read. And I read that. (laughs) Yeah. I read that book. We could have all just been. Yeah. Twilight. Yeah.
0: But that was all like kind of the same time. And it was also before everyone was like as online as they are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. So the time was right. Especially
0: little kids. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And so I guess I just feel like we can all say, fuck Joanne. (laughs) <laughs> but as far as the like, the experience growing up goes, I was very into my grandma would take me to the midnight releases and I'd put on a costume and I'd get the book and I'd stay up all night reading it in one sitting. So I remember the book releases far more than I remember the movie releases. And I think that for me personally, I was just the right target audience, even psychologically, because I think that these, this genre of kids' books really tries to reach the kids who want to find out that they're special and want to find out that they're different (laughs) And I was just sitting there waiting for that someone... they're cut from a
0: different cloth. <laughs>
2: they're not cut <laughs> from the same cloth. Built different, even. <laughs> <laughs> and I was waiting for someone to tell me, like, oh, you are, you are special, the way that Hagrid swoops in and tells Harry, hey, your life is about to be big, and you're about to have special powers, and you're important. And I think I just... It was like some borderline like self-insert indulgence and it felt like it didn't talk down to kids either and I just I really loved it it holds a special place in my heart and I feel like um with the JK stuff which I know we'll get into more later I feel kind of like when the crew of a ship overflows overthrows their captain like throws their captain overboard and keeps on sailing and has a harmonious time. That's how I feel about the people who grew up loving Harry Potter. We're like, you get out. We're going to run with this world yeah. and feel nostalgic.
0: What house are you, Aaron?
2: Ravenclaw. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a Ravenclaw girly. And I think that's correct. <laughs> Audrey. I feel like everybody says they want to be Gryffindor. I
1: don't, I don't mean your
0: house. I, I don't mean your know. overall. Oh, I thought role, you were saying also your the house.
1: same question.
0: That, but also your okay. overall.
1: Well, anyway, Pottermore says Gryffindor <clears throat> for me.
0: And yeah, I'm literally over here registering for Harry Potter fan club right now so Julia can take the quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> My experience with Harry Potter was very much determined by Hannah's because Hannah was really into it. It was. Because, like, had, say I had been the older sibling or I was an only child, well, I actually don't know if I would have, like, been exposed to it that much because I remember thinking that... Remember how mature the covers of the books looked back then? And it it felt mature. Yeah, they were thick Like, books to read too. a Harry Potter book was like, I'm an adult. Like, I'm taking... I'm
2: reading a real book. I also think that plays into what Aaron said about, like, feeling special yeah like you read a thick book and you're like yeah I'm, I'm it the right shit. Now. Yeah. and it doesn't talk down I don't think I actually read the books until
1: I was in like maybe fifth grade something like that but I had seen the movies up until that point and I liked I liked the movies and I was very exposed to it all but I don't know that I was like the biggest fan in the world and what else I was scared of the first movie I remember watching that at our grandma's house, not the one we share, but the other one. And that shit was terrifying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I got through it because I liked the heartwarming moments. You know, I liked the world. Um, and since then my appreciation for it has grown, especially in the sense of the production, like Hannah and I visited the set thingy in London, the like museum, the Harry Potter museum thing where they shot it. And the whole time I was experiencing such hardcore, um, I wish I had been old enough and lived in, in England so I could have been a part of this. It's really sad.
0: Huge missed opportunity. With that
1: I one. know. I'm like pissed about it.
0: Uh, I'm really <laughs> mad about it. Okay. So I feel like we should do Julia last because they have the most unique experience with Harry Potter. But yeah. So I read the first book. I specifically remember I started reading the first book while being put in timeout for some reason in first grade in Boston. I was sitting on my twin bed being like, life is oppression and like reading Harry Potter. And I may have just started it and put it down. But I remember that was my first encounter. I was really into it, but not like, into it, into it a way that other people were. I did have a Harry Potter birthday one year and we played fake Quidditch and Julia fucking hated it and was crying and like running around <laughs> and we have documentation of it. Oh, we do. remember that.
1: Well, you were like three.
0: Okay, yeah, makes sense. I mean, you
1: did didn't you? know what was going on. Run, Julia!
0: Run, Julia! Classic footage. Go ahead, Valerie. What's I'm wrong, JJ? Away. Good job, I JJ. Julia and I have a five-year age gap, and Aaron and Julia have three years, and then I have two between Aaron and Audrey. Audrey and
2: I are three months apart
0: right i had the chamber of secrets desktop pc game um but i was too scared to fight anyone or progress so (laughs) i would just run around the world and find all of the beans and audrey would watch watch. (laughs) audrey would watch and we would listen to like hillary duff and i had this one body spray that i would always spray it was mary kate and ashley lavender it was really good Say you're a Gryffindor, allegedly. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a Hufflepuff, allegedly. Hate to say it. They're good people. <laughs> I shouldn't be talking. Arguably, shit. the best people. Yeah, I you're in the- terms
1: of people. <laughs> I think it's bullshit.
0: I still think it's bullshit that Neville wasn't.
1: I know. That's, that's that's actually that's, bullshit. Is he a is he um a legacy or something? Like, I literally what's the I deal? think he
0: was a legacy. And then last but not least, I went to Harry Potter World and Universal for my 15th birthday, and it was fucking awesome. It, um, was, it was so fun. I got a wand. I had an allergic
1: reaction to butterbeer. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was so
0: good. It was so good. Well, my experience is
2: it differs. In 2010, I was in fifth grade, and I think being that young and having everybody so excited about one thing that I wasn't excited about at all really makes you unexcited. Yeah. Because <clears throat> if you didn't pick it up already, I have not read the books and I have just within the last year watched the movies for the first time. Except for the first movie I was forced to watch as a child and scared my Against pants Against your off. will. <laughs> yeah. Which at first I was like, oh, this is scary. And then it became, I resent this. And I'm over it. That all goes into the aversion of it. It's like, I hate this and everybody likes it. So now I'm mad. Um, Which I know I'm not the only person out there who's like this because when I first meet people, it's very much a topic of conversation. Like, were you a Harry Potter kid or were you not? And it doesn't like define relationships like it used to. But I do heavily relate to other people who are not Harry Potter people. Because neither am I. But that being said, I do understand the lore. And now that I have seen some of the movies, all except for the last one, like the very, very last one, I'm like curious. I want to know about the Harry Potter curious. I'm Harry Potter curious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Harry Potter curious. And I want to know what's up. But... One thing about me is I'm not going to read the books. Yeah. And I believe that the movies, there's just so much to be gathered. There really is. That, like, I'm never going to get the full experience. Maybe one day there will be. Yeah, an audiobook slay or something like that. Yeah. but I will read them aloud to you <laughs> word by word if it takes that. Now that it's on the record. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I cannot state my house because I don't have one. But I'm about to take the quiz, so I have the quiz pulled up. <clears throat> Wizardingworld.com, is at it? Wow. Fresh meat. <laughs> Do I have to know, like, context of Harry Potter for this? Okay. It'll be a personality quiz. Okay. Okay, perfect. It's loading. I thought that this website was asking for my house pronouns and wand. <laughs> it's not. It's asking for my Patronus. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you want to know? Are you sure? My Patronus is they so, then. <laughs> so choose one to continue, forest or river? River, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Which one of the following do you find most difficult to deal with? Loneliness, boredom, hunger, being ignored, <laughs> or cold? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, My gut says hunger. After you, well, after you have died, what would you most like people wait, yeah, most like people to do when they hear your name? Ask for more stories about your adventures, miss you but smile, think <laughs> with admiration of your achievements. I don't care what people think of me after I'm dead. It's what they think of me while well, I'm still alive that counts. Um, I don't care if people think of my achievements like I'm dead. So maybe I go with that one. One of your housemates has cheated in a Hogwarts exam using a self-spelling quill. Okay. Now he's come to the like that. It might have been me. Now he's come to the top of the class in charms, beating you in second place. Oh, what's charms? Professor Flitwick is suspicious of what's happened. He draws you to one side after his lesson and asks you whether or not your classmate used a forbidden quill. What do you do? I don't tell. Um, <laughs> tell Professor No. You would not wait. You would not wait to be asked to tell Professor Flitwick No. Lie and say you don't know. Tell Professor, uh, that he ought to ask your classmate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- don't ask me. That's my <laughs> answer. <laughs> choose. A, <laughs> choose a category to continue. Cats, toads, owls, and cats obviously uh ginger cat yeah i don't even need to see the rest
0: (laughs) (laughs) julia has has a ginger
2: cat. i have a ginger cat if you could have any power what would you choose the power to read minds the power to cast wait no the power to change the past the power of invisibility (laughs) the power to speak to animals the power of superhuman strength or the power to achieve to change your appearance at will (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You already laughs> have that mm, right i can do that cool. already um that's very trans i'm gonna say the power to read minds really yeah oh, that's what i would choose mm-hmm.
0: i would i would not be able to handle that i would not want to know
2: well i would just want it there to be sure so i can be like i'm not crazy
0: <laughs> yeah
2: the sorting oh, hat is ready sweet. to make its decision Wait,
0: what are we guessing what are we guessing I think it might, it could be Gryffindor or Slytherin. That's my guess.
2: This says a lot about. Take a
0: screenshot when it comes up.
2: Ravenclaw. What's that mean? Ravenclaw. What's that mean? (gasps) Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I would explain Ravenclaw as being like the studious, quiet, really smart, pretty intuitive. Like, I know you're not studious, Maybe With I a capital am. S. Maybe, maybe like, I am studious. We do know. <laughs> I know you don't like school. Or books. <laughs> or books, but you are smart. Yeah. And you're good at critical street thinking. Smart. Intuitive. Street and you're intuitive street. and they're like... I did just um, boast that. You did. Moments ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I recognize this fellow, Phileas Flitwick. <laughs> 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 he may be bad. Oh no, we have a message from jk rowling wait uh she says congratulations i'm perfect i'm (laughs) perfect i'm prefect robert hillard and i'm who was that and i'm delighted to welcome you to ravenclaw house our emblem is the eagle which soars where others cannot climb our house colors are blue and bronze and our common room is found at the top of the ravenclaw tower behind the door with an enchanted knocker (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no other house in the school has such stunning views. Why are they boasting the stunning
0: views? Like, what does that mean? It's real estate. It's real yeah, estate. This is weird. They're so, not giving traits. To, to clarify, it wasn't from J.K. Rowling. It was a blurb written by J.K. Oh, Rowling from the POV of some random ass character. Hmm. Thoughtful Intellectual, thoughtful
2: people. Oh, I'm an E.N. Oh, I just <laughs> took this quiz. E.N.F j or something (gasps) i think i might be too i think i might be an enfp hold on audrey's an enfj i feel like you're i something i'm e really Mm -hmm. i was i was i and it's Mm -hmm. always been near 50 Mm percent i was a cusp for feeling and whatever the opposite one is i was like 49 51 for feeling and Thinking. thinking
0: We could literally host a 24 hour live stream, <laughs> but I am going to say it is time for us to go watch this movie. We are doing this old school where we are actually breaking in the middle, farmer's breakfast style, Bob Evans home style. Um, we're going to go watch this movie, probably have dinner and then come back and unpack. The movie's like two hours long. So we will be right back to discuss our findings and continue to have a good old time. Snape. Snape. Severus Snape, Dumbledore, Snape. Snape, Severus Snape, Dumbledore, Snape, Rod, Snape, Rod, Severus, Rod, Dumbledore, Snape. Snape. Do you remember this Rod, Weasley. Dumbledore. To, to, wait, we we, need, we, need, <laughs> we forgot Hermione. We need, Hermione,
2: Hermione,
0: Voldemort, Voldemort, O, Voldemort, Voldemort, Voldemort. Ba-dum-ba. All right, anyways, I'd like see to ya. I'm an ENFP. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Okay, listeners of the pod, we are back. It has been several hours. Not only have we watched Harry Potter, but we had a nice curry. We've had some drinks. Julia and I are now consuming root beer floats, and Audrey and Aaron have their Chardonnay on deck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's time for us to talk about how we experienced this film, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So normally, kind of what we start with is just overall thoughts that we've had while watching it. So we were all, with the exception of Julia, as far as I know, rather emotional at different specific parts. And we were sort of remarking during dinner that it's like not necessarily the big stuff that makes you feel strongly. And I'm wondering if you both could touch upon what those things were for you.
2: Yeah, I cried several times, just teared up. And it was always at the heartwarming moments (laughs) In particular, the one that sticks out to me is when Harry's trying to find his way to platform nine and three quarters and he runs into the Weasleys and they just take him under their wing and he meets Ron and he comes from this horrible home and he just gets swept into this like warm, loving, chaotic family and then that's his best friend. And watching it, knowing how their friendship unfolds, made me just feel warm and fuzzy.
0: And let's not forget his future wife
2: question His mark. future wife. Actually, that's the only part that takes me out of it when she's like,
0: good luck. I'm like, okay. They get married and you know what they name their kid? Albus Severus <laughs> Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Renesmee. No! No. For sure. no, the ending of Harry Potter, like, jumps the shark pretty hard, but... It's fan service. It's in fan the, service. In really, my main thing is that the romantic pairings are, like, ghastly. But let's it's not talk favorite. about that right now. <laughs> Can I share one more moment that made me tear Please, up? Please, I did not it, mean to drag us it into also, Haterville.
2: Well, that's hateable. But it also... Kind of opens the door to something broad that spanned the whole movie for me, which is, okay, when they're sitting around the fire and Harry has just had the scary moment in the woods with what is probably Voldemort, dumb, um, <laughs> probably <laughs> Dumbledore. I wrote out when does he say, Voldemort tried to kill me? And he's so uh, cute. Maybe it's when he's so Hagrid
0: explains. It was probably, oh, I think it was at the beginning when after they do the Diagon Alley shopping and Hagrid's like, yeah. I'm going to tell you the story yeah. of your oracles. Okay, yeah, I wrote yeah. down, I keep
2: crying because Daniel is so adorable. And what hit me throughout this whole screening is <laughs> they are little. Mm-hmm. They're so cute and small. And um, after watching the... The anniversary reunion, the Harry Potter HBO Max reunion special. Now that I've seen it, I didn't know that existed. (laughs) It
1: came out in like it came out like New Year's of this year, like January. I I I didn't
0: watch it because I felt like I'd be giving more dollars to J.K. Rowling. But still,
2: she's like in it a couple times from random prior recording from other interviews from the past
0: that's interesting yeah
2: but my point is that that really highlights how much of like a family it is and how much they all grew up in the movies and so noticing how just truly tiny they are and how cute they are
0: kept making me cry there's also just like so many painful levels of irony too like I know. I for some reason I'm like bringing down Mm -hmm. like whatever. I'm like bringing in the darker things, but it's like, and maybe we can come back to this. But like, how are you gonna make the theme of your series be so much like love saves the day, love conquers all, love can protect you from anything, and then be like trans people don't have rights? Question mark It just doesn't make any sense. And it's like you're gonna be like fascism is evil, Mm -hmm. and like that's so much of what the later series is about, and then be like.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: Here's a question for you. Does this movie warm your heart in any way?
2: Um, Without nostalgia. (laughs) The level of nostalgia isn't necessarily there, but I could understand why it would warm one's heart. (laughs) So (laughs) no. So not mine in particular, but I do think it is like cute to Mm. see like I have seen some of the other movies and they really were children in this. Yeah. So that's like nice yeah. that they like all grew up together. Yeah. But my heart in particular was not warm. <laughs> Even okay, here's a, here I want to elaborate on that or hear more on that. Even in like a there's some Christmas scenes. No, kind yeah, of way. the like Christmasy
0: <laughs> feast scenes. Interior I was like, that's cute. Like
2: you're like the aesthetic uh, of it all. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like,
0: the way that they somehow force feed Halloween and Christmas into this <laughs> yeah. movie is genius. It's They're fantastic. like,
2: this can be a Christmas movie or a fall movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever you, you need. pick.
2: But yeah, that does make me feel like. That warms my heart in the same way that, like, the leaves turning orange in the fall warms yes. my heart. It doesn't have a level of like, I knew this once before as a child. <laughs> right. It's more just like, oh, Christmas. Yeah. You what know? Warm and fuzzy in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about friendship? Just like on a raw level, without nostalgia, when you see them being such cute friends, anything. Or is it nostalgia? Is the acting too bad for you? (laughs) Currently, the acting is a little bit too bad. Like when they were playing chess and Hermione was like, no. When Ron was like on the horse about to get like absolutely blasted. (laughs) That (laughs) absolute (laughs) unit that he is on. (laughs) Literally on the absolute (laughs) unit. And Harry was like, stop. He's going to sacrifice himself. Maybe it's my Sagittarius moon, but I was like... If somebody would have said, stop, to me, I would have been like, now I have to. Like, she's bold for not stepping off that square. You would have been like,
1: we're still playing the game. I
2: would have been like, uh, okay. So, like, their friendship, yes, heartwarming, but also... They're such supporting characters. Like The the friendship. Yeah, the friendship. They're so, like, supporting Harry. It's less, like, mutual. Mm -hmm. And they're new
1: friends, too. Yeah, they're new friends. Like, it grows. And Mm -hmm. then now, once you know what their friendship turns into, you Mm -hmm. look back at the first movie and it's cuter. Yeah. Because you know what it'll be.
0: It's also crazy that like you can be that famous forever for something you did when you were like yeah, 15. Totally. And that that leaves all kinds of mental wounds on
1: child yes. stars. As we know, usually when you ask like when you hear people ask them, would you take it back? Usually they say no.
2: Something that feels special about this child actor situation is that they were all such fans of the books to begin with.
1: Yeah, that's true. That had been released. Especially so far. Emma. I think. I don't know if the other two were as much, but I know Emma was.
2: Right. Yeah. She talks about that. And so I I guess that's some sort of foundation of I'm going to like this.
0: I have a moral quandary to bring to the table, which is speaking of Emma, that like, so this doesn't have to do with her. This is just the character, kind of. So in the book, everyone's like, Hermione was a fugly little kid. Yeah. Like her hair looked like shit and her face looked like <laughs> shit. And she looked really she bad. She was ugs. She's ugly <laughs> as fuck. And then in the movie, it's like perfect little Emma Watson with like some light teasing in her hair. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, there's like a couple layers of it. So first of all, it's like, okay, I know that like the Hollywood version of ugly is Never ugly. Fucking like beanie felt you. and then also it's like okay, so they picked a pretty girl to play this part, and I'm like okay, well that's kind of disappointing that it that they had to like Hollywood watch it that hard. But imagine if they had picked an ugly little girl and then in the script they were like, ha ha, she's ugly. And then this kid had to grow up being like, I was typecast as ugly. Mm-hmm. But that also already happens to people. With the
2: other kids, even in this, like we can get into the fat phobia. Yeah. Like, the like, ha ha, Dudley's a little pig. Dudley wants- and Neville. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I was just wondering like, it's is kind there of like any who's non-fucked up way? Yeah, who's more Yeah.
1: I th- I th- on an individual basis definitely the person who would be cast as ugly quote Hermione yeah. would be majorly hurt but by not even attempting that sort of casting to be true to the book yeah you are sending a message to kids yeah that you know you can only be conventionally cute or pretty or
0: whatever on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just wondering like how different the entire arc of the movie series would have been if Hermione actually was kind of like a four, if you will. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like a 10 years old. Everyone's like, she's a four. Well, that's the whole thing, though, yeah. is like they had to, I'm not going to say like what I'm thinking, but like they had to cast. You, like predicting what this girl will look like. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Well, OK, if we were to fast forward too, to the fourth book where there's the ball yeah. and she comes down the stairs. When she steps out. Everyone's <laughs> like, wait. Is Hermione smoking what? hot? <laughs> and in the movies, it's like, she's always been adorable, but in the books, it's supposed to be this big transformation. How would that have gone down if they had cast someone who wasn't like conventionally pretty or cute? Probably would have been
0: sweet.
1: Well, maybe, but it also, there's a uh, there's reasons to say it wouldn't be too. It's like, oh, you had to make... You know, like, depending on how they did it. If they imagine, let's imagine they literally, the movie is exactly the same as it is now, but with a different person in
0: Emma Watson's place. I feel like it would massively change the tone of the series because at least for me, when I was growing up, Emma Watson slash Hermione was always, like, the blueprint. Like, really pretty, like, smart, but no one ever is like, you're actually annoying as hell. Like... Is friend is like the cool girl who's friends with boys, like that sort of thing. I think I also think that, and this might be also sort of stirring the pot. But I feel like when you watch the movies and you see her get married to Ron, ultimately you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but that's <laughs> Julia's like news
2: Whoa. to me. Oh my <laughs>
0: god, that's kind of because they like downplay her like annoyingness and also her not being like. It sounds so fucking stupid, but like a 10, you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes, I'm not saying that her being ugly and annoying justifies anything, but it's just like they make her, they make her like a goddess almost. Mm-hmm. And then they put her with this like very flawed Ron, who's like an actually fully fleshed out character in the movies, whereas Hermione's not that fleshed out. And it's just kind of like, what's happening yeah. here?
2: I do think in the movies, I don't think they let her get away with being
0: completely unannoying.
2: Even in this one, she's yeah. painted she's as like a know-it-all. talking like but this. I feel like this and is I a know everything.
0: I feel like by far this is the most annoying she is in any movie. Agree, and she's For like sure. nine. For sure. Yeah.
1: And it has a lot to do with pitch. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if they had just completely like painted it as Hermione hits puberty, becomes hot, and is now a ten, and is now desirable on top of all these other qualities, I don't know if it would be any better well,
0: hold on. Let's not forget about the end of the chess scene where she's like, books and cleverness are more important things. And it's like, Bravery, Ooh. friendship. What? It's like she was like shitting on her own yeah. strengths of being like, you're, you're better. more worthwhile than me. Like, hello? I feel like that's even a good example. But she
2: she listed, she was like, there are things better than books and cleverness, like bravery and something, something. And she friendship. had bravery and friendship. Friendship is not a personality trait. No, so it's she not. She has both <laughs> she of has those both. things. But in this movie, even, we do see her during, right before the troll
0: scenes, she's in the bathroom crying. Because because I think someone was talking during this part, but right before she overhears Ron and Harry being like, "My God, she's annoying as fuck." Yeah, and then she like <laughs> goes to the bathroom, but she does not let the troll in. She was just bullshitting when she said that. Obviously. You know what? Right.
1: I had a really dumb comparison. Please, God. please. <laughs> Neville is the m- okay. Neville is to. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone as Martha is to Camp Rock. <laughs> oh. Remember how Martha wins the um, the competition at the end yes. of Camp Rock? Yes, 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 But it's
0: like throwaway. Oh, well, that's like how it is in so many things. Too. Yes.
1: Mm. Neville, what are the other examples of that? Literally almost everything. Yeah. Everything ever. But Neville being the person who knocks Gryffindor mm. over Slytherin to, yeah. to win
2: the House Cup of like, That's stupid. (laughs) It's stupid, especially when you look at this as a standalone and not as part of a series. When Quirrell,
1: near the end of the movie, says— Or it's really Voldemort who says it. There is no good and evil. There's only power. And those too weak to seek it. And those too weak to seek it. Yeah. I really like that quote, first of all. (laughs) I know. I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like— I was like, kind of— I I was like, that is a really— Convincing argument, mm-hmm. like if I was a kid and I and like some dude was like, "I can bring your parents back. I can give you everything you want. We can do great things together." Like what they're saying about good and evil is not true. You just need to not be too weak to do what needs to be done. Yeah, that is a really convincing argument.
2: I been all over that. Yeah, I would have been like, "All right," I would have been like, <laughs> "Okay, sweet." Say. Like,
1: and he's like, "You're lying," but it's like, "What?
0: Michael. What
1: how?" Lie? Yeah, that's like, is that like the Gryffindor superiority complex in him? Is that just mm-hmm. his DNA? Like, Was that wh- the stone? Why does he know it? that? Yeah. yeah. he He's built different. He's cut from a different cloth. <laughs> I can't speak on it, but I'm not
2: cut from the same cloth.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things that you can look at from like five million different angles, but it's interesting that that's how she presented that argument from, like, the evil perspective, mm-hmm. you know? Still, though, basically, it's like, there are no gods in the end is kind of the the vibe, except for the power of love and friendship, which, like, yes, but also, like, come on.
2: I think that something notable about that quote is the that they say those who are too weak to, to go... seek it. To seek it. And I guess the weak adjective is one that could be argued from another side from yeah. someone who's like evil like Voldemort it's weak from someone who's got the Gryffindor
1: streak
0: <laughs>
2: maybe that. <laughs> that's integrity
1: yeah and what's more powerful between those two things
0: that's literally the ongoing question of mankind mm-hmm. though <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, Joanne's asking the big questions, um, somehow. And then choosing to shit the bed. Like, why? Like, okay, so one thing that we've been talking about lately on this podcast is, like, the lack of media made for kids that exists nowadays and how, like, if you're a kid, if... Well, who, like, can operate, like, a fucking iPad or whatever. Which is literally less than two years old. Yeah, like, (laughs) you're getting on TikTok, like, you're seeing whatever you see, you know? Like, when we were kids, maybe less with you, but I think still with you. Like, I'm saying that to Julia. Like, it was a lot more, like, this is for kids, this is for teenagers, this is for adults. And really— Super defined. This was, like, a kids and teens thing, but, like— being a kid who grew up with this content being made for you and, like, given to you was such a privilege. Like, and the fact that, like, the the movies and the books, like, scaled up with our maturity level. It was amazing. Like, oh. I feel so bad. I know, maybe this makes me sound old, but, like, I feel so bad for kids these days who, like, don't have that kind of shit, like, catered to them. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah.
2: People my age, like... Were, I mean, these books were still coming out while I was in, like, middle school. Yeah. So, so you- I definitely agree. Like, I still had things catered to, like, the the age group. But I think kids nowadays still do. It's just there's so many more options. Mm-hmm. Like, Disney Channel's still churning out stuff for, like, teenagers and, like, kids. But they'd rather be watching stuff made by adults, for adults, like on TikTok or something. Why? (laughs) This is so stupid.
1: Why would you pick someone with glasses to be the seeker? (laughs) (laughs) He goes, this is impossible to see. (laughs) Why don't we use you? You have imperfect vision. (laughs) It's dumb. Also,
0: (laughs) related to that, it's like, oh. So your biological father has the same round glasses as you? (laughs) What are the
1: odds? (laughs) Like shit like that. And then also with the the Quidditch game when Quirrell's trying to knock him off his broom, knock Harry off the broom, and Snape is trying to counteract that, don't you think they would put some kind of like force field spell in place to make sure that the game isn't being interfered with? Because everybody knows... Everybody knows that you can use magic
0: on anyone in, in the area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are like, once you go down the rabbit hole of poking plot holes <laughs> in Harry so Potter, many. like, you can never stop. The so. lo- it's like you see certain spells that they know how to do and you're like, oh, I mean, you do use this Ala in other Favora, situations. Period. Why even have a lock? What's the point, if a nine year old can get in like you have bigger <laughs> fish to fry, and like
2: furthermore, if you can then enchant the lock to be invincible against that spell, <laughs> you're just doing
0: layers upon layers. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all, also, it's like so we're just getting back to the point where keys are the best <laughs> option. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you have oh, all this shit and you're
1: like making a room of flying keys. <laughs> like what do you do look
0: at it? It ended up being more secure than anything else. <laughs> so it's like what <laughs> no it's true i thought it was really funny that everything is so cgi but for some reason they decided to make like ghostly voldemort like not the one in the not the one at the end but the one in the woods yeah like a practical a person <laughs> it's like a like a styrofoam head and arms <laughs> under a robe that they're like dragging across mm-hmm. the set like i just thought that was funny
1: i think it's Cool when movies use practical effects as much as they can. Yeah, and in this movie, it almost gives me like E. T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a little Spielbergian, Mm -hmm. and they're yeah, they're it's like it just feels like a different movie, and that has a lot to do with Chris Columbus because later on it becomes Alfonso Cuarón, who's like a very serious indie film director and the
0: tone completely shifts. This is that's the third one. Yeah it changes.
1: Can we pour one out for Mrs. Dursley's performance? A sleigh.
0: Absolutely.
1: Petunia is not holding
0: back. (laughs) I'm the only one who saw her for who she really was.
1: Yeah, that part. That part. Because you're being introduced to the world and she brings that level of Of like hater, hater (laughs) to it. Like she cares so deeply about hating witches and wizards, but it like lets you understand how serious this is. Is that the aunt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's why. I I mean, her rollers. She is enunciating.
0: She's like a freak. It's so funny. Oh, we have a witch in the family. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) so good. (laughs) She's so good. Yeah, in her like two
2: lines about it. You could it communicates the whole um
1: prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> that
2: you get way more in the book, but she's carrying the whole sentiment on her back in the movie. Yeah.
0: What do you guys think about like the concept of like muggles? <laughs> I feel like there's secretly a lot of like servant classes mm-hmm. in, in Harry Potter, like muggles in their own way. Mud, House blood. elves, any other race, like trolls. Like like it's really interesting that there is still such like a hi, like a racial hierarchy.
1: Without it being
0: skin color. Yeah. Well, it's race as in like fantasy races. Yeah, fantasy. And I think that maybe part of it is that it's supposed to be like art reflecting life or whatever. But like why in your fantasy world where you can make anything up would you be like, here's a bunch of servant classes, but also the power of love defeats all? I don't know. That always... Where,
1: where uh. like, what, here's my question to you, though, is if that
0: those types of choices aren't made, you know, where's conflict, I guess? I guess to me it's like, and, okay, I'm sure there's listeners out there that are, like, Harry Potter scholars that are, like, Fuck you guys. (laughs) But let me just say, we are all pretty casual at this point. But a lot of people are casual at this point. So just go with us. I think to me it's like the conflict could be between good and evil still. But if the good people viewed everyone as different but of the same value and the evil people saw it more as ranked, then it would be a little different. Because even the good people are like – house elves are stupid, even if they are like freeing them or whatever. But that's also a whole other thing because in the book, like Hermione's trying to free the elves and everyone's like making fun of her for trying to free the elves. Queen.
2: (laughs) Maybe, maybe an argument then is that having those different ranks gives the story an opportunity to show the good route and the bad route. Because if house elves weren't at a disadvantaged rank, then there would be no, like, contrast between how Lucius Malfoy treats Dobby and, like, Harry treats Dobby or Hermione treats Dobby. So they're kind of used, which is still kind of dehumanizing to be used as a device to communicate. If someone's good a good person or not? Yeah, they're still a, a vehicle instead of a... Yeah. You started this whole thought by saying,
1: if you're going to create a fantasy world, why are you giving it real-life parallels in that way? Yeah. Even the, quote, good people still see class rank and treat people accordingly. Yeah. And you're saying, why would she do that in her fantasy world, basically?
0: Basically, yeah. But, like, I get that that gets complicated really fast because it's like, it's not supposed to be a utopia or anything, yeah. but it's, like, I guess my main thing is, like, you're going to claim to be, like, anti-fascist and, like, pro-love and pro-whatever, but then, like, literally just choose a marginalized group to, like, shit on with your over $1 billion of net worth. Like, I just don't it's get it. It's just, like... I have a question. Where the fuck did Oliver Wood go after this
1: movie? <laughs> Oliver Wood, underrated hottie. Mm-hmm. He is kind of a hottie.
2: <laughs> Wait, I... Oh, nice we guy. missed him.
0: No. No, you were you were okay. sitting there. <laughs> yeah, but I like didn't internalize that. Do you think it's accessible for someone who like as someone who just watched it last year for the first time, like, do you find it to be accessible and understandable or is it like too annoying?
2: By accessible, do you mean just like understandable for someone with yeah. no like, background? Do you knowledge? follow? Yeah. No, I <laughs> deeply do not follow. And that was part of the issue. Every time I watch. I don't even know what I'm unclear on, but I do remember feeling confused, especially when names start coming into play. When names yeah, I and, mean, like, no specific context. events, I just don't have context on, which is fine.
0: I will say there's a lot of, like, silly, billy, hodgepodge nonsense and like, this second... Whatever the middle chunk where they're like Nicholas Flamel and Grindelwald, and whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, you don't really need to know that stuff to no. get what's going on. Um, and I get that. that I mean, would be it, annoying.
1: it's like seeds for the future, but but barely right. No, it was but it was like 2022
2: <laughs> it was now <laughs> seeds for now i do want to watch the last movie because like
0: we got to
2: watch who's married like uh, oh yeah what? this shit uh, is wild <clears throat> but like it's good to see yeah. once yeah, it. Yeah, right. For the culture. Yeah. You know? I'm like, how do they even end this? Like, what? Like, does Voldemort die, die? Do you want to know? Don't tell them. No, don't funny. tell Harry them. Harry Potter spoilers on the pod. <laughs> Can we believe that I've made it this far and I don't know what happens in Harry Potter? Like, I didn't know that What's-His-Face died until I saw it happen before my eyes. I have another question for Julia. Okay. Just because I feel like we have a gold mine in you Because Mm, I don't know that many people who have not seen Harry Potter and then convert to having seen Harry Potter. Yeah. It feels like you stick to what you've gotten. Yeah. What in this movie stands out to you as a new viewer? Like, what are the standout Mm. moments? Like, I have no choice but to look at it from my current perspective, obviously. So, like, the standout thing to me, or there's a couple... But the first one I notice is like, oh, wow, this is like old. This is an old movie. Not yeah. old, old, but like I know what these people look like now and the work that they've done now. Yeah. So it's super interesting and weird to like see what they were doing then. But like plot wise and like just movie wise, <laughs> I think the intrigue of it all is what's standing out to me. Like I see the the draw. Like what's your favorite moment? favorite moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or do you, you, can you even recall a favorite moment from everything you've seen of Harry Potter or like something where you're like, this is good. Like this is juicy.
2: I more like that it is juicy. Growing up resisting it, I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. Like I literally (laughs) cannot fathom to watch this for another moment. So I wouldn't. And now watching it, like I get it like i get what people like about it which i think is interesting like i wanted to watch harry collect all the little pieces and like put them <laughs> together because yeah. i was like oh my god what's gonna happen <laughs> and that's what stands out <clears throat> to me now i'm watching it for the first time that's the intrigue mm-hmm. like that's what's You're standing out journey. to me is the same things that journey. stand,
0: yeah, the same things that stood out to you,
2: like yeah. watching it for the first time.
0: What do you think of the overall vibe?
2: I also really like that, especially when it the movie turns from orange to blue. Yeah, like, why are the first couple movies orange and then they turn blue? I'll tell you why. That's- Columbus the to Corona, yeah. It's, okay, it's a tonal shift, but I do really like the vibe and i like it's the an impeccable vibe yeah the vibe being like a little bit spooky and like i'm invested it's like dark academia yeah. i wrote down <laughs> turn this movie on and suddenly i'm a potterhead who wants to move to london and only wear dark academia <laughs> yeah. as clothing yeah. and drink london fogs near a fireplace in the dark like in like my entire animal crossing island yeah, also <laughs> exactly yes. in a puddle with rain boots yes. and like face issues Beyond the natural realm, like, uh-huh. but
1: also, like, like read a thick ass book with, like, and be like, Yeah, this
2: information with yeah. <laughs> like a leather bookmark. <laughs> and I'm gonna like revamp my entire wardrobe to be 2014 Tumblr, like, knee socks. Yeah, I think another part, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aaron, we've already arrived in that moment, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, culturally? Yeah. Agreed. And Which I'm I happy hate. about it. I'm happy
2: about it.
0: Your 2014 and my 2014 were not the same. I really picture. mean 2012.
1: I need a sweater and a skirt and
2: some high-ass socks. I need the, the like, he-day of the day fits that Daniel was serving. <laughs> like, the baggy, yeah. like, the baggy khakis with, like, the sweater vest and zip-up hoodie over that realness yeah <laughs> absolutely was definitely not nothing however <laughs> however to give that to give that credential to this credential. movie feels wrong so I'm actually revoking that <laughs> so he can just be wearing that it's it coincidental can be, fits you know yeah. what I mean it's like that's just what they wore then. And now right. it works. And is it a three day of the day fit? It could have been, but I, no. Yeah. <laughs> but you should no. claim it. He's a baby. That Something, another thing that stood out to me, like how I was saying before, the fact that I am invested, that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. Like, the the it's like holding my attention. That stood out to me. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Because like, That's good. a lot of things don't. Sometimes I'll start to like
0: tune out. One of the things that, is so like touching, but also fucked up about this movie is like, ugh, this is so emo, but like Uh-oh. how much the first movie is just about him missing his parents that he never knew. It's, it's really so sad. sad. It's so sad. It's like the beginning of it. He's like, I don't know my parents. And then in the middle, it's like, I'm addicted to looking at this mirror of my parents. Okay. And then at the end, he gets the picture of his parents. so He doesn't have to be addicted to looking at the mirror of his parents.
1: The meaning of the mirror of Arisid or whatever, yeah, is something that hits me, and I understand a lot better now than yeah. I did as a kid. Yeah, the whole thing of it's powerful. It shows you what you want. It can't give you what you want. But if you just sit there and dwell on it, it will drive you crazy. Yeah, that is a a very good like one to one comparison with life, yeah um,
2: that he had the like foresight to lie about what he saw in the
0: mirror. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was kind of, but he knew he was lying. So he was like, right. stop lying.
2: Yeah, like, so, good, uh, good on him for, for trying. Genius you, vibes for an 11 year old. Yeah. What do you say? That's what <laughs> <he says. clears throat> in school to be a therapist, took a class on grief and loss. And there's a lot of intersections of grief and joy in this movie made for kids. And it's really, it's beautiful. Like in what sense? Like the fact that um, Hagrid is the one who gives him the book in the end with the picture of his parents, and the way that he experiences missing them, and also ran to Hagrid as this new like parental figure to say goodbye and Daddy, Daddy <laughs> again. <that you? laughs> Hagrid is kind of the only consistent daddy.
1: Yeah. In the
0: series. Facts. Yeah. But
1: he like doesn't even, I don't know why it is, but it's like Harry kind of almost He doesn't project Daddy onto Hagrid as much.
0: I feel like he doesn't project daddy because Hagrid doesn't have that much to teach him that's useful to him. Mm. Whereas like Lupin. Can tell him Sirius. like how to defeat. I don't know. Well, and there's also... Okay, this is like a whole other thing, but there's also, like, the whole weird, like, in the future, like emasculation metaphor for him like getting his wand taken away and he like can't do magic like he oh, can, Hagrid yeah. yeah like do you do yeah. you know about this part so basically Hagrid gets framed as having like let in the giant snake yeah. and because of that they're like you are banished from doing magic ever again forbidden and then he has this like umbrella he can like kind of do magic with but <laughs> I feel like that is like he is disqualified as daddy material because of that (laughs) oh yeah i wrote down forbidden stone looks yummy no it does
1: it looks like it looks Uh, like liquidy jelly or something i don't know what that is
0: (laughs) it looks like the red scooby Snack. (laughs) (laughs) you see that shit glistening in the flames yeah
1: that shot is beautiful
0: you're like can i have a little bite of that there's
1: a lot of beautiful shots in this yeah
0: It's really true. The first thing (laughs) I wrote down for this whole movie was, imagine writing the best score of all time. Yeah, (laughs) Well, like, he's done that with, like, every movie he ever worked on, so. I mean, the motif is heavy. It's almost maybe,
1: like, 2% too often. Not for kids, though. But for kids and just in general, like, great. Yeah.
0: I feel like, ultimately, what makes this movie so good and has it stand... The test of time and like kids watch it now and still like it is that and we were my our mom our mom my mom was watching the movie with us me and Audrey's mom aunt and um, mom. and she was like damn like this is pretty scary and we kind of all agreed that like it's the perfect movie to watch when you're a kid that makes you feel like you're grown up because you can like handle it and I feel Why like not? that's you're <laughs> <Not laughs> me I feel like that's like kind of what Harry Potter is about though at the end of the day. Like, that's why people love it so much when they're growing up. They're like, this is my big kid book. Yeah, yeah. totally. Do you have a final statement about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Julia? I liked it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
0: I can't
2: wait to watch the last one. Same. I'm um, to be there for that. Yeah, maybe we watch it this week. Either.
0: Yeah. We should, yeah. You will be gagged. Yeah, you're <laughs> going to be gagged. <laughs> This movie is great. I love it. It makes me feel cozy and warm and it's fun to reflect on. And it's a great franchise created by a very flawed person. Yeah.
1: But I hope that this episode was a fun beginning to your spooky
2: season. Yeah. I hope you all go out and get a little skirt and sweater and (laughs) knee socks and live your best life and remember the power of love and friendship. So, Aaron and Julia, thank, thank you for having you. joined us. You're welcome. Thanks for You're having us. It's my pleasure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it was really a journey. We're literally clocking in at one hour, 40 minutes of tape right now. And we will be back next week with another episode as always. Um, but we will be in Hilton Head hopefully for the rest of this week. As always, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema, and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey at Audrey and Leach on Everything. You can follow me at Hannah Ray Leach on Everything, but not Twitter because I'm an I'm I'm anonymous and shit posting on there. Julia, do you want anyone to follow you anywhere?
2: Um yeah, if you're in the Chicago area and you need a gay little haircut, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. It's at gay little haircut. No, it's not. It's at gay little haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Erin, <laughs> do you want to clock a
0: and at I did just join the discord and hey. so did Julia so you can find me there yeah and speaking of the discord you can join the discord at the link in our episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com and if you like the show, you know, just clock into the Apple Podcasts, leave us a little rating.
1: Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman hall Executive producer is Michael D'Aloia. Bye.
0: Bye. We did it. Bye. <laughs> Chocolate rain some, some stay dry and Ooh. others feel the pain chocolate rain <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: <my laughs> you've watched them in unforgettable adventures love affairs and tragedies now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories from the makers of death of a rock star and death of a sports star this is death Ready. of a film star and ashes.